joining us this evening. Um, I know you're all at home, and I hope you're all happy and safe. Um, so before we get started, why don't we have uh, a word of prayer? Holy Father, thank you for this wonderful evening. Thank you that we can come together, maybe you know, just virtually, but Lord, I want to thank us, you know, just having this chance to just have one more time before, you know, as we open up the Sabbath, that we can just pray to you and just open up our hearts to all the things that we are to hear in your name. Amen. So, um, I want to encourage you before I start speaking. I have um, a slideshow I'll be putting up here on the bottom here. You guys can kind of see it um, over here, down there. And I usually have, uh, I like showing this plant, um, kind of just showing some of the stages of how we all grow. We all start somewhere, and we all must end somewhere. And I usually try and show this so that we can, you know, make sure what we learn here is that we actually take it and, and move with it and grow with it. So my title for, for this um, speak, for this uh, talk, is going to be uh, No Delay. Um, so I'm going to open up with a story. So that's actually more of a question kind of story. Um, have you ever had a deadline for homework? And it's like due in a month or so, and you know what needs to be done. You know what you need to read and prepare for and what you need to present. Uh, for some of us, uh, this gives us plenty of time uh, to maybe do it before it's actually due. And we know exactly how much time that we have to get ready. The materials we need to get, the people we need to talk to, and we know the requirements to be fulfilled to pass. Yet, we wait. We wait, and we wait, we wait, and we see the signs of this assignment being due, like other people working on it, um, others finishing the assignment, uh, reminders from the teacher, uh, you know, stuff, stuff that you read, books, things, just remind you of that assignment. Knowing your assignment is due, yet you still wait. Other people working on it think that, you know, all these other people that are working on it, you see them, and it just reminds you about your assignment, and you're thinking about all the things that you have to do to get that assignment done, and it's always constantly in your head. And maybe you do a little bit of work, and you read maybe half a chapter, or you look up a shortened version of the book, or watch a watered-down movie about that book. Maybe you open up your computer, and you start to type out the paper, and you just can't seem to be inspired to write down to show the points you think are correct. But then, it's due tomorrow. The next morning, you're freaking out. You grab all the material you can. You text your friends and see you know, what they did for their assignment. You read all that you can. You type in a way that it can best be described as frantic and written based on frac uh, fractured foundation. You stay up late. You feel unready. Even if the assignment is complete, you wake up early and you look over your work and you wait for every last minute the very last minute to print out and then go to class and when you arrive you look at it one more time and there is a small amount of time that you have to wait to turn it in the paper determines your pass or failure 
been in this time of waiting for the collection of the assignment, you only think of what your what could be a success or your demise. I may be embellishing a little bit, but the time finally comes and the teacher takes your assignment. You only hope that you've had enough information to share to give you you know enough of a passing grade. But now comes a surprise. The teacher takes your assignment. And to your horror, the teacher announces that they will be reading your report out loud to your peers. Your short feelings of relief that your assignment is complete is replaced by your deepest fear that your assignment will be read to your whole class. Your grade seems to be in the hands of this teacher. Your future and your embarrassment in front of, the, of your peers awaits. We'll come back to the story in a few minutes. And some of you might be feeling some of that anxiety. And maybe you remember an experience, you know, from from your past. I know I had a teacher, and some of you may know Mr. Stewart. I remember back when um, I would think it was a push or something like that. And uh, he would have us write out questions, you know, for each chapter that we read. And, you know, just questions that we may ask in the class or something like that. And we never thought he would ever do. He maybe did it once or twice or something like that. But he would always do it periodically throughout the year without you knowing. So this kind of, you know, and I remember the first time that he read one of my questions. He would read, he wouldn't read everyone's questions. He would just kind of read, you know, skip one here and there. He would read one of our questions. And I remember thinking before I had turned that paper, and I'm like, man, I should have read a little bit more. And I remember, I think one of the questions that I wrote why did they call France France? And to be honest, it's probably one of the, you know, the dumbest things I could have asked. But, and to my surprise, he thought that was a pretty good question. Whether or not he was humoring me or not, it was still when you thought about that particular moment when your work that you put in would be on presentation to others. Because maybe you didn't actually read the chapter. I probably skimmed through it, to be honest. And when I thought about it, when I knew that he was going to read some of our questions in front of everyone, that guilt of me not reading or being prepared really, really hit me, especially through that whole period that he was doing that. So you may have experienced this. And maybe it's not an assignment. Maybe it's a work project or maybe it's a goal you're tasked to accomplish. All of us know what it means to put things aside to the last minute. Not just in our daily routines and responsibilities, but also something even more important. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You've heard it a thousand times. And just giving a heads up, you may hear it a thousand times more. We put aside our walk with God. Then the question is, but why? What is it in our lives that pulls us back, discourages us from taking those steps? We are called to be like him, yet we wait, wait. And we are suddenly surprised by what happens you know, right before our eyes. We label these things that we struggle with or see others continually struggling, labeling them as an opportunity. 
we can't see what we embrace as an opportunity. It's a call. It's a warning. It's someone shouting out to all of us that there should be no delay. You can't allow the world to decide for you when it's time to have a relationship with God. Signs are there to warn us, not to change us, not to change who we are, and not to decide where you stand. Your character and your walk, how you prepare yourself, how you share with others, and how you seek him is what actually changes your life. It's what brings the Holy Spirit into you to actually want that change. And I want to reinforce this. Uh, with a warning that we're well aware of. In Matthew 25, verses 9 through 10, and this is from the King James Version, it says, These things, sorry, but the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to this marriage. And the door was shut. Now you could argue that they knew these signs were coming, but didn't change who they were. It was warning. They knew that someone was coming, but yet their own personal character kept them from actually being prepared. So we see all these signs in the world, yet we still are the same. And I'd have to say it's because of our our character. It's because of how we've actually prepared. I want to go to John 16, verse 33. If you could turn with me while you're with us here. John 16, verse 33. We're going to be sticking, uh, really focusing on on this verse. So I want you to kind of open it up, and we'll be jumping around a little bit. So in John 16, verse 33, it says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now putting this all into perspective, here we have Jesus speaking to his disciples, warning them of troubles they will go through all leading to an understanding of uh, the basic fortitude to stand on. Jesus gave much inspiration and guidance in these talks with his disciples. But what stands out to me is this line, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Now I want to break this into two parts. They have a little more meaning than we sometimes give them credit for. This first part, in the world you will have tribulation. This speaks of trouble that they will face in the world. And we can actually look at a little bit more of a reference to what this may be. Um, A little earlier, in John 16, verses 2 through 3. So if you want to just look a a little bit earlier. And this is then, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. 
Here we clearly see a reference to what tribulation can mean for them. Why? And it has a very clear distinction going for it. Verse 3 says, And these things they will do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. The world does not know the Father or Jesus. Tribulation comes from falling away from God and not knowing what he truly wants to do in our lives. Do we not see this tribulation on our world? Will Jesus stand for inequality, lying, false teachings, and selfishness? This world does not know the Father. And if they claim to know him and do wrong in declaration of his name, they have taken his name in vain. If we falter, if we stray, if we decide on only our selfish merit, we too will fall in the traps of this world, causing tribulation to those who seek his grace. But also know, if you are fighting for God, you will also face tribulation. Because they knew Jesus. Those who seek to eradicate God from their lives, trouble will fall on those who preach the word. This is where the second part comes in. Be of good cheer. This is hard for us to look at. And I'll put this on here real quick. I want you to really look at this picture. Some might take this as saying, suck it up. Don't worry about it. Let someone else handle it. This is not this at all. Remember, they know Jesus. They have seen him cry. They have seen him rebuke. They have seen him protect his father's house. They saw the love he has for everyone he spoke to. I want to go to a chapter before in John 15, verse 11 through 13. It says, These things I have spoken unto you, that joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, and that a man lay down his life for his friends. He told them what to do. Even when they faced tribulation, this is his commandment to them. We will still feel for those who are hurt. We will still cry in times of heartache. And we will still endure troubles. Jesus endured all of these. And he pushed on with his ministry, healing and helping more than we will ever know. Most never recorded. We must understand that this good cheer is not a false jarring of those who think you need to just get over it. This is a call to push on with no delay. Let God heal you as God intended. Let God provide for you as he did his son in times of trouble and temptation. Give up your selfishness to press on when God brings you back and picks you up. 
passage, go back to a story. It's actually in Matthew uh, chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. It says, Then saith God unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and to him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Here is one of Jesus' most desperate times of need. One, Jesus selfishly let God's inspiration and guidance to overcome Satan's attacks. And we also see at the very end, a lot of people kind of overlook this a little bit. The angels came and ministered to him. Even after we have you know, battled and have tribulation, God knows we need to be ministered to. I would have to say I would be pretty cheerful when I minister to. I feel this all comes around when we see the end of the verses, you know, from before that we've been, you know, dissecting in John 16. I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome this world. Jesus put in place a plan for us. He asks us to do what we can. When we see tribulation, it shouldn't wake us up. It should be a calling to go forward with his mission for us. Sharing his gospel is one of the most important work we can do. Not just for others, but for, our, uh, for ourselves as well. Paul, in his writings, often wrote of his own troubles, not knowing uh, knowing that he was you know, writing to them, allowing him to see clearly the things he himself must overcome or things he was confronted with. In 2 Corinthians... Uh, verse, chapter 1, verses 3 through 7, if you read with me, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of comfort, who's comforted us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. You know, I encourage you to open up your Bibles and read that. But I want to go back to the story that we were talking about in the beginning. It says, as the teacher prepares to read the reports, the teacher knows this has alarmed you. All of you. The whole class. Though some were more prepared than others, they still feel inadequate. The teacher then explains, now I know you're all feeling uneasy. 
this didn't seem to be something you were ready for. But I have decided that I will give you more time. You feel relieved. You feel ecstatic. You now have another chance to finally fix the mistakes you know you made. Uh, but the teacher goes on. Now, I'm not going to give you a deadline for when this will be due. This will give you a chance to fix it. But I'm not going to tell you how much time. You have some more options as well. I want you to do the best. And I want you all to succeed. You can work together on your assignments to, to double check your work and to proofread each report to make sure that they are in the best shape possible. Or you can choose to wait, wait a little bit more, look for signs of me collecting your papers, but know this, at some point before the end of this year, I will collect them. You see, the teacher knows that you have put this off. But God wants you all to be prepared and ready for the final reading of your report. Will you choose to put away and not ask for help from others just to slide back into your comfortable routine? Or will you rush to the aid of your peers? Students, you don't even know, people you don't even know, so that together you will each have the best possible report. I ask each of you to push forward Though it may be hard for some people, it may seem that they don't deserve the help. But we must. For the sake of our own reports, we must with no delay. With no delay, look to others. Heal their pain and suffering. Their tribulation. And truly be in God's place that he has prepared for us. I have some quotes um, from Steps to Christ that I'm going to read. Um, I encourage you, it's um, pages 64 and 65, I believe. Um, I'm going to read as much as I can, but I do encourage you to read this in entirety, in those two, those two pages there. I'll make this a little bit bigger so you can read along with me. It says, There are those who have known the pardoning love of, of Christ, who really desires to be children of God, yet they realize that their character is imperfect, their life faulty, and they are ready to know, to doubt whether their hearts have been renewed by the Holy Spirit. To such I would say, do not drop back in despair. We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes. But we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not to cast off, not forsaken, and rejected of God. No. Christ is at the right hand of God who also make an intercession for us. 
Said the beloved John, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And do not forget the words of Christ. The Father himself loveth you. It's John 16, verse 27. He desires to restore you to himself, to see his own purity and holiness reflected in you. And if you will but yield yourself to him, he that hath begun a good work in you will carry it forward to the day of Jesus Christ. Pray more fervently, believe more fully as we come to distrust our own power. Let us trust the power of our Redeemer and we shall praise him who is the health of our countenance. The closer you come to Jesus, the more faulty you appear in your own eyes. For your vision will be clearer and your imperfections will be seen in broad and distinct contrast in his perfect nature. This is evidence that Satan's delusions have lost their power and that vivifying influence of the Spirit of God is arousing you. No deep-seated love for Jesus can dwell in the heart that does not realize its own sinfulness. The soul that is transformed by the grace of Christ will admire his divine character. But if we do not see our own moral deformity, it is unmistakable evidence that we have not had a view of the beauty and excellence of Christ. The less we seem to esteem in ourselves, the more we shall see to esteem in the infinite purity and loveliness of our Savior. A view of our sinfulness drives us to him who can pardon and when the soul, realizing its helplessness, reaches out after Christ, he will reveal himself in power. The more our sense of need drives us to him and to the word of God, the more exalted views we shall have of his character, and the more fully we shall reflect his image. ask all of you who are watching, listening, or anything you know, to, to share this message. Or maybe you know another message that you can share. But don't delay in what God has called you to do. God reaches out to us so that we can introduce his love to others that need his help. Your experience, like Paul's experience, coincide with the gospel, the three angels' message, and many more things to share to those who need it. I think about all those times that all of us fall and all of us struggle. But what stands out to me the most 
is that even when Jesus is on his knees, you know, praying in the garden or being tempted by the devil, he didn't stop there. He didn't give up. It's hard for us to compare ourselves to that. You could say he's more powerful. But he always relied on God. When you think about that temptation, he didn't rely on his own power. He relied on God's power. Now, when I think about you know all the things that we see in this world, whether it's inequality, you know, things that we don't like, it's okay. That does not mean we can't stop sharing the gospel. We may be put down in a place that we don't like, and we may be uncomfortable. But that doesn't mean that we can't share what God wants us to share. Again, looking at those hands, when you think about his suffering, being nailed to a cross, yet he still reaches out. He still holds out his hands for us to hold on to. I want to thank you know, everyone who's been a part of my walk with God here. It's important. I've grown a lot since I was in high school. I, I was baptized up just right up there. And I have struggled and I have fallen. But I want to encourage you, for those that you see that are struggling, reach out. Because you yourself may need that help as well. Working together to spread the gospel is something that we can't imagine how powerful it can be. We see the trouble in the world, but that should not just be uh, the idea of an opportunity, it should be a warning for not just, you know, for ourselves, but for others as well. We must share what God has given us. Sharing the gospel and your own story is what's so important. You look at the, the, the stories of Paul. He shares his experiences along with sharing the gospel and sharing you know, from the Old Testament, the New Testament, he brings it all together. But it's his own experience. It's his own story along with the gospel. That's what I think is important for all of us. And I hope all of you will look at this opportunity to share something with someone somehow and be blessed by what God can give you. And we bow our heads for a word of prayer. Dearly Father, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this time that we can realize what our full potential can be and that we should not delay in what you have asked us to do. Lord, we may be kicked down. Lord, you told us that we would be kicked and put down in a place that will push us in a, 
in unimaginable you know, steps that we have to take to get back to where we thought we should be. But Lord, you went through all of that and suffered the most. Lord, we look to your story and look into it and see the grace that you have for us. Lord, we will keep on walking and we'll keep on sharing no matter what, no matter how. Lord, we will share it in any way that we can. Lord, I want to thank you for everything that you've done for us and the stories and the writings that you've given us to inspire us. Lord, we will face tribulation, but we will take it head on together with you, taking our selfishness away and going with you. I thank you so much for everything in your holy name. Amen. So I want to thank you for joining us this evening. And I hope to see you tomorrow. We'll be having our, our Sabbath school at 10 a.m. and our church service at around 11.15. I hope to see you there and hope you have a good night. God bless.